Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 2, Episode 30. Today, me and Leanna are here to discuss The Wisdom of Crowds by Joe Abercrombie, and it is our very first time doing this as an actual live stream, so we are testing this out to see how it goes, uh, if things go well, maybe we will do more of this so hello hello (laughs) um i mean i think this will go fantastically because we're just gonna be uh chatting about wisdom of crowds which is amazing and anyone who's here they think it's amazing because that's the only option on the multiple choice so it will go it will go how it will go (laughs) I also have a sick child, so I may have to go off. So, Liana, why don't you do a little introduction? Okay. I will be back momentarily. This is going to be a great live show. You got okay. it. Okay. Well, as anyone who knows me is aware, I'm obsessed with Ursula, and I think Wisdom of Crowds is the best, at least to technically speaking, the best written. Um, I can't also control comments, so I would put your guys' comments up if I could, but I cannot. So, hello, hi. The great change has come and gone <laughs> and hi um i finished it this morning uh, we are going to do spoilers during this chat so if that's a problem for you be aware there will be spoilers we're gonna uh, in the past we've tried to keep a spoiler free in the beginning and then dive into spoilers so you're safe for the first bit because we'll be just generally in this case gushing but uh we will get into spoilers um probably pretty shortly so be forewarned yes i don't know how this evening is gonna go like maybe i listen <laughs> like for anybody else who has small children at home it can it can be a challenge and i have a sick kid who wants me and so hopefully we'll try to make this try to make this work i don't know you have to tell them that they have to be realistic <laughs> yes Exactly. Well, for everybody watching, this is indeed realism. So I guess it's appropriate for our Wisdom of Crowds show. Hi, everybody. Um, We have some people, familiar faces in the comments. So hello. Hopefully uh, y'all enjoy this. So Wisdom of Crowds. It was great. This was second, third time reading for you? This is my second time reading it. Okay. Okay. So it came out around this time or in September of last year. So I read it when it came out last year and now again. This was my first time rereading it. Right. How was the experience? It was good. I, mean, I was a little nervous because I was like came away reading this one. And when I did my re uh, redoing my ranking of first law, um, I, I put this at the top and I, after, you know, reading it and reviewing it, I was like, this is the first time Abercrombie has made me cry. And then I was like, you know what, maybe I just was so wowed by it because it was recency bias. And because it did, you know, like if something makes you cry, therefore it's good. You know, it evokes an emotional response. So I was sure. like, well, I don't know if I'm going to cry the second time. I know what to expect this time. So I can just kind of like, it's like the first time you go on a, on a ride, like a, like a dark ride, you know, it, like Disneyland or something. You're just like, whoa. And then like you go on it a few times. You're like there's the wires there's the there's the lighting little box right there like you start to like see the fa- the seams and you start to see the flaws it's flawless <laughs> there are no seams <laughs> i cried this time as well even though i knew how it would actually 
sometimes I find that that's actually worse. I'll be like, well, I cried the first time, but I won't cry the second time. A lot of books that have made me cry, I cry worse the second time because the whole time I'm like preemptively upset about what's coming. Whereas the first time I didn't know what to expect. Right. Like that's happened with a few books where I'm like the second time I'm a mess like long before it's even happened because I'm like now I know that like this is the last conversation they are going to have, which I didn't know would be the last conversation they're going to have because I didn't know that they would die later. So like now I'm like already crying. <laughs> but we're not in spoilers yet as to why we're crying. No, just like in general. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. In yeah, books yeah, yeah. where I'm like, this is like, you know, right. I, I now know this is the last time they see each other. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, man. Yeah, I was telling you because I know you asked. I didn't cry, but I was sad. You also don't cry that much in books, right? I, I don't. I think right? if things hit me in particular ways sometimes, but I think with this, I was sort of expecting tragic things to occur. And oh, I think you knew that I had cried when I read it. So Maybe. I think I forgot, but I'm not. The thumbnail for surprised. my Wisdom of Crowds review is just, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good review. It's a good review. Uh, no, this was fantastic because I know you had really loved it, and I agree. I think it's it's great. It's really good. I don't also have complaints about it. It is the perfect ending. All right. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. We're done. <laughs> we're done. It was perfect. Wrap up and go. Good home. night. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I also was worried that like because I had been hyping it for so long, being like, "This right. is the best one yet." It's building this. Like, you think a little hatred's great until you read Trouble with Peace, and then you mm -hmm. think you can't top Trouble with Peace, and then you read Wisdom of Crowds, and it was mm -hmm. like she's gonna be like, "Well, I mean, it's good, but you know, you kind of ruined it with all." No, it it is genuinely <laughs> really, really good. And I, what's interesting about it is that the first part of it, I was feeling a little like, "Okay, I kind of see where I think I see where this is going," like. And then it took Did a turn, you? and I was like, oh, <laughs> never mind. I don't. I Anytime don't you think you know where an Abercrombie book is going, you should know that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this was, it was, it was very, very good. I loved it. Mm -hmm. So, non spoiler thoughts. Non spoiler um, thoughts. Oh, boy. Like, Hmm. I mean, as the conclusion to not only so it has it's both the conclusion of a trilogy and the conclusion of like a 10 book arc um, that is begun in the blade itself. So like, that's a lot to stick the landing on. And yes. I think it does. <laughs> I think it does, too. Uh, yes, which you're right. That's a lot to stick the landing on. And I think he does a fantastic job. It is exactly what I feel like the ending should be. And while leaving the door open, while leaving the door open for more. But it's it, that. But of course, it, you have to, right? Like things can't just be neatly wrapped I think up. It leaves the door open more so, even though than Last Argument of Kings did. Like Arguably. Last Argument of Kings, you're like, well, obviously there's like stuff like the world is ongoing, so like obviously there's more that you could tell in this world. But this book, like almost, it's almost like a Marvel esque like post credit scene. We were yeah. like, meanwhile, yes. <laughs> we have a commenter whispering that they don't think it's perfect. I'll allow a single flaw. What is the single flaw? <laughs> you know, let us know. <laughs> I thought but, it was great. Um, I, I really loved it. But I think this book, again, without spoilers, without specifics, um, I think this book, though, having read it, uh, you could see why I'm generally pretty insistent that people read the books that came before this first. That You can read this trilogy by itself first and only, but that it is just so much better if you've read everything that came before. 
Yeah, I don't know that we like entirely agree on this. I think you could start with this trilogy and then go back and read it. I think it would be a different experience, but I don't think it would be a bad experience. Well, for this book in particular, again, without saying, but well, we can argue about the specifics later. But like, I think like with the first two in this trilogy, I would be like, yes, it would be different, but it could be good. Mm-hmm. But with this one, the way that this one ends, I feel like it would not be as impactful if you ha- don't have previous context. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I can see that. I still right. think, though. She agrees. I, I win. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still think, though, that you could start. Oh, with, I mean, I always you know. say that when, like, in, in reading order videos, I'm like, in the in a perfect world, you read everything in publication order. Okay. But, like, if not perfect world, one down from perfect world. Mm-hmm. Okay. You could read The Best of Cold as a tester and then do everything in chronological order because you've discovered you love it. Or if not that, then you could start with A Little Hatred, read that trilogy, and then go back and read everything in chronological order. Yeah. Like, I allow it as a possible reading order, but <laughs> you not it. ideal. <laughs> you allow it. Yeah, I I agree. The, the payoff, we have a comment saying the payoff wouldn't be as sweet if you didn't read it in order. I agree. However, I do think that... Oh, how to talk about this. So I, cause we're not going to talk spoilers yet, but I, I do think that you could, if you're somebody who's going to be bothered by some of the flaws of the first trilogy, I would recommend starting here. You know what I mean? To get you sucked in. I'll allow it. <laughs> I already said I would allow we it. We have a lot, we have a lot <laughs> happening in the comments right now, which is interesting. Somebody who loved it, but still thinks trouble with peace is better. Mm. trouble with peace is good but i personal well, for me I, it wasn't. Uh, uh so yeah um i said in my to my patrons um in my discord that you know so is it am i gonna finish wisdom of crowds and still think it was like the best one of the lot and like um yes and no like i mm-hmm. still think that um from a technical perspective this is the best written thing in the first law but the one that I would like most want to reread and have the most enjoyment rereading of all first law books is probably not this one, partly because mm. I don't want to cry. But <laughs> like, you know, it's not uh, like the original trilogy, like is probably maybe arguably the most flawed of all the books. But like on rereading multiple times, like I have the most fun revisiting those books, whereas this is like it's, it's kind of like the difference between like, you know, uh, a three Michelin star meal and like a box of mac and cheese. You're like, okay, one is very like obviously deserving of awards, but I'm much more likely to eat mac and cheese on the day to day over and over and over and over again. <laughs> you know, so like the original trilogy is my mac and cheese that I just like. That's my comfort book. <laughs> so you're comparing the books to mac and cheese yes. from a box. Good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's comfort should, food. You should tell Abercrombie this the next time you interview him. <laughs> he, he was disparaging his own trilogy to me, and fair I enough, was the one saying, enough. hey, it's pretty good. So I don't think he would disagree. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Also, I have to say, I love Savine. I've been saying that this whole trilogy. She is my new favorite character, closely followed by her parents. So. The, the mm-hmm. family Glockta is... They're my people. Listen. Free top shelf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, I mean, she's she's not my favorite. We already know who my favorite is. But, I mean, she's exceptionally well written. And she does feel like, 
uh, it's it's again where like um even if she's not my favorite character just like maybe wisdom of crowds isn't like the most fun for me to read uh mm-hmm. even if it is the best because i think you know savine is better written than Artie even was in in the first trilogy but do i have more fun going back and reading Artie scenes in the first trilogy <laughs> maybe <laughs> whereas like savine i just appreciate like everything that he's doing you know from the perspective of like just like narratively it's interesting and <clears throat> The way that he's grown as a writer to write females better. Yeah. And on top of all of that, to, to believably say, okay, Glockta and Artie, what does their kid look like? And to like yes. write someone that's new and it doesn't just feel like, oh, I mixed the two characters I had before together. Like it doesn't, but it's like, it is that, but it's also, it's completely its own thing. It doesn't just feel like, let me take a bit of Artie and a bit of Glockta and mush it up in a blender and boom, you've got Savine. She's like, mm-hmm. it's not that, but you, there are definitely like elements of both of them in her where she definitely feels like the product of that union. Yes. Yes. No, I I, I think the wor- character work on her is incredible. And I, I love the fact that he is able to write female characters like this i think he's done a really good job um cameron taylor says would already have conquered the circle of the world if she had pearl dust instead of wine though (laughs) fair question (laughs) perhaps although i don't know i think i think there is something to the uh, you know ruthlessness and strategic mind that savine has gotten from her father let's say would Artie have conquered the world if she'd been raised by galacta instead of marrying him yes 100 <laughs> percent. yes because i mean well savine benefits from having been raised by someone as um scheming as galacta who could teach her to be that way but mm-hmm. she's also born into immense privilege so Artie was not guided by someone like galacta nor was she born into wealth and privilege savine Correct. benefits from both and is the example of like Okay, so there, I guess between Orso and Savine, one is born into privilege and does nothing with it. And the other is born into privilege and is like, I'm going to squeeze every last opportunity out of the advantages that I've been given. Like, you know, there's yeah. being like, that's when, you know, people get up in arms. They're like, oh, I, I, you know, worked for everything that I have. You're like, well, you were born into privilege. But not everyone who's born into privilege, like, makes the most of it. And she certainly makes the most of it. <laughs> I would agree with that. I also think that she had fairly great parents. Well, not perfect parents, but like pretty good parents compared to Artie's parents or what we know of. Them. Well, compared to, it's not, it's a very low bar. <laughs> Artie's True. parents is, you know, yeah, she pissed on her father's grave. So yeah, <laughs> it's not hard to be better than that. Yeah. But Savine is like relatively better, su- well-adjusted. <laughs> to a certain yeah. extent you know <laughs> yeah what else can we talk about that is not spoilery um well i mean i think in general like like i just said about the savine being uh her own character while also very much being a product of characters we knew before but i mean a lot of things like that are what make this book so good and i think that even if the plot would be entertaining for you if you've never read anything before it's that kind of like an appreciation of like, you know, a character like Lakta, who like, he's around in these books, and mm-hmm. he's very much who you remember him to be from the original trilogy, but he is not the same person that he was then, that yeah. he is believably Glockta 30 years later, where he is, what he's doing, how being a father has changed him, like what he's up to, like, and all the characters that are familiar 
are that way where they feel like natural extensions of like, I mean, Shivers, you've seen the changes, whereas yeah. Bacta, you didn't get to see changes. But like, the character work is so freaking good. Listen. But also the world work where like the world, yeah. if you jumped from Last yeah. Moon of Kings mm-hmm. to A Little Hatred, you'd be like, the world has changed quite a bit. But like, you've seen that progression in these books where like this industrial era that we've entered into feels very earned. And even the changes that happen over the course of this trilogy. So when we start this, it's, it's far more industrial than we were in the first law trilogy. And by yeah. the end of this, there's been even more change in terms right. of politics and industry and the general zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> so like that is also like the, the, the setting in the world has as much character development as the characters. Yeah. All true. All amazingly well done. I One thing that I think might be interesting to talk about is with the predictions I had coming into this book, right? I Well, and for the trilogy, I was thinking, okay, we're going to get maybe more political revolution, French Revolution style, but I wasn't sure how that was going to happen. And you get thrown right into that. Basically, which at the is kind of, of how revolutions book. happen. They don't, you know. I mean, yeah, but it's funny because I wasn't. I mean, you're right. It is, and I realized quickly. Okay, it makes sense that he's just doing it that way. But I was taken aback at how quickly it all happened. I was like, you oh, weren't the only okay. one taken aback. Everyone in in the Agriot was taken aback. Yeah. Like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> no, hundred percent. And so I was expecting that but i wasn't expecting to get thrown into it as quickly and for so so much happens in the course of this book and uh like urza is saying i liked that the old characters didn't take center stage in this yeah uh, that happens so often when old fan favorites are brought back and i've talked about that before mm-hmm. um in not uh at some point in talking yes. about first law just that like unlike star wars where you know just because you it, it, you can utilize those old characters and they can add an interesting flavor to what's going on and add context but that when it's not like when galactus shows up oh it's galactus book now like it's very much the new cast like he's passed the torch to the new characters and the other old characters that you recognize it's fun to have them it's interesting to have them but they don't overshadow anything right yeah yeah like this is not their story it's the story of the new characters and yeah i think it's uh, and again it doesn't feel like the the new characters are just like you know like a lot of tv shows will do like a flashback um for the parents or something and then Mm -hmm. the the actors who are playing the kids will play their parents for like the flashback scene um so like in the similar sense like you could do a second generation story where it's like oh okay well they're all just like mini versions of their parents now it's not like savine is like well she's the girl glockta Mm -hmm. and then or so is like well he's just like the born into privilege just it's not like they're all just like you know no the next gen copies of their parents like they are also very much their own characters yes 100 percent, which i think is uh is really interesting matt f says who is the hero of the story who did you root for does abercrombie have heroes and villains hmm. i mean i know who the hero of the story is for me because he's my favorite character in this trilogy <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't actually think there are heroes and villains. But. No, and I think that's the entire point, right? It, and sometimes Although, the people that you're rooting for are might not be people who always do good things. However, without spoilers, one mm-hmm. it's not the last chapter, but it's like the second or third to last chapter in Wisdom of Crowns is called The Villain. Mm. And there is a conversation about whether or not someone is the villain. Yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. actually. Yeah, it's called The Villain. Yeah. <laughs> 
We've got some uh, people saying Orso yes. is a really Orso. good one. Team Orso. Vic. Team Vic. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, or anti-hero maybe for Vic. I don't know. A lot of anti-heroes, honestly. Orso. So Vic is also um, a character that is more so than any of the other characters is more of a reader insert where like it is the point of view that the reader is most likely to have on things where they have some perspective on what the world is like before they, she kind of knows some of the characters from before she has a view of the world where everyone is kind of corrupt and is trying to make her own way she's the one that is handed surprise revelations she's the one that is handed information like not that she is 100% a reader insert but like if anyone is Vic is mm-hmm. yeah I could see that Vic's an interesting character and goes on has <laughs> quite a journey <laughs> through the course who of doesn't books. who doesn't <laughs> who doesn't indeed okay okay yeah, I mean, we have someone uh, saying there are definitely some villains yeah i, I arguably they're all villains <laughs> um, yeah it's but i mean that's that's the nature of first law i don't think mm-hmm. he's ever written a story yeah. with a hero and a villain or yeah. He just has protagonists. Right. <laughs> Correct. Urza is saying, I like how everyone hates Giselle the most in the first trilogy when he is objectively the goodest character. Yes. Well, and I, I think we've talked about this before, that what is so intriguing about reading these books is sometimes the person you hate the most is not the person who does the most objectively bad things, but the person who is most irritating. Well, also the one that like what I always say is that it's the it's the evil, you know, whereas right. like a lot of the other things are like these are objectively more evil things to be killing, to be torturing, whatever. But like that's not hopefully most of us reading these books have not encountered those things in real life. If we have, it is the exception and not the rule. Most of us have met an asshole like Giselle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like most of us have met somebody who's like very like self-important and aggravating and arrogant and it's that little kind of everyday evil that just like bothers you so much more because you're like i have personal experience with this and i'm very irritated with this it's a very mundane kind of quote-unquote evil and it's not yeah. even evil um whereas like you know again like a berserker a torturer or, you know these kinds of things you're like i mean i read about that in books but i mean i can't really like i don't personally feel any kind right. of way about that right yeah no exactly yeah. Yes, as uh, Urza says, I thought Giselle, Giselle was entertaining. Listen, I yeah, I do. I found Giselle entertaining when everybody else hated him, and then eventually I think grew to love him. But I, I think that character arc is is a good one. The villain in Age of Madness is probably probably capitalism. Arguably, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Can we talk spoilers yet? We're at 22 minutes. It's, it's your show. <laughs> it's our <laughs> Do you show. Want to talk about spoilers? <laughs> yeah, let's talk spoilers. <laughs> okay, so spoilers. Um, wow, there were some twists I did not see coming, <laughs> which was really yeah. fun to read. In that sense, I mean, um, which would you say was more of like a oh oh like oh wow mind blown last argument of kings or wisdom of crowds 
Because mm. both of them, I think, are very good at like having Tank and you yeah. through a trilogy, and then then just like wham, end uh-huh. it with a thing. You're like, what? Yeah, I don't even. I don't know. I mean, my te- my 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 feeling would be to say this, but I don't know if it's just recency bias because I've read it for the first time more recently, whereas I read Last Argument of Kings for the first time, like you know, two years ago. <laughs> now almost two years ago. <laughs> so. Um, but did not expect Glockta to have been sort of the puppet master behind everything. And there were several scenes with that at the end that I, oh, oh, and what is her name? The, the, the maidservant friend? Zuri. Zuri. That was so interesting. I was wondering what was up with her because there were hints of things that there was something weird about her. And I was like, what? what is the deal with Zuri? But I had no idea. And so when it's revealed the truth, I was like, what? Oh, okay. That's, that's the deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, so like as to last argument of Kings versus wisdom of crowds, personally, I think that, um, last argument of Kings is narratively more shocking. Um, and wisdom of crowds is more like emotionally shocking. If that makes sense. Yeah. Where I feel like the, the reveals are like, they are, affect me emotionally more so than Last Argument of Kings did, but it wasn't nearly as shocking, as surprising, as like, I did not see this coming as Last Argument of Kings is. I can absolutely see that. Whereas this is, it's this one is more about characters. Well, well which is why I also, like, to back to my original point that, like, this is why, Wisdom of Crowds is why I'm like, really, you should read it in order. Because, yeah. like, it is the emotional impact of the end of this book. It's not a plot impact. It's like, right. it's you have to have known Glockta's history in the first trilogy to really get why he's doing what he's doing. Like, yeah. not that you can't get it at all, but, like, you don't really get it. Yeah. And why, like, the fact that Savine is, like, you decided, like, defeat Baez by becoming Baez. Like, how mm-hmm. much harder that hits if you've read the first all trilogy. Yeah. I mean, I I do agree with that, actually, yes. Listen, Stephanie says, the way my jaw dropped when the reveal happened at the end of Wisdom of Crowds, same, same, same. My jaw also so dropped. So, for me, like, uh, as soon as, like, Galacta just, like, pissed <laughs> off and wa- walked away from the plot yeah. in Trouble with Peace, was like, guess I'm retired now, bye. I was like, I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something. So, like, I didn't guess that he was the Weaver, but I was like, mm-hmm. there's no way he just was like, bye. Right. <laughs> I'm done with being in the story now. I was like, no way. He's doing something. I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something. Right. I was not, I just wasn't expecting that was what it was going to be. Terrible first law opinion. Cameron says, my favorite terrible first law opinion is that Pike would have been a better Weaver. <laughs> that, well, he kind of, he was the, the deputized Weaver. The pseudo Weaver. Yeah. 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 That's that's uh, uh, as to uh, Cameron's point about the terrible <laughs> opinion that Pike would be a better weaver. Um, I'm not sure in what uh, respect you mean that specifically. If you mean like emotionally and like in that sense, being like it would just be like affect you more that he is in that sense. But like for me, realistically, to be able to pull off being the weaver, it would have to be Glockta because like only Glockta is in yeah. a position of power. So like the only way that that he truly could be the weaver is if Glockta got bumped off off screen in between books and Pike was the arch lector, then he mm-hmm. would be in a position to actually do that. But like realistically, to be able to do this, it would have to be the arch lector, which is Glockta. 
Yeah, which which makes sense. And I, I've got to say, I found it very satisfying to have Glockta kind of pulling all the strings at the end. I was like, yeah. Well, and this is where also, again, this is why I say you should read in order because there's so many scenes that are a parallel or an echo of the past. Like when Vic is getting her, like, this is the way the world works chat from Glockta, it's like directly mirroring the scene where Baez is doing the same for Glockta and he's getting a here, this is how the world works chat. And do you want to be in charge? And where Glockta was like, I guess I will be. Uh, Vic was like, no, I'm not. Good, good day, sir. She just <laughs> so, left. Yeah. I feel like good, that scene again, her. like not that it's, I mean, it's it's still a great scene for that character and for a specific situation. You don't have to know that it's mirroring a previous scene. But if you do know that it's mirroring a previous scene, it just is all the more rich for that. But also the reverse could be true, right? Where you read it and you know it's mirroring a future scene and you see the difference I'm just saying. But of course, by then, like if you are reading the original First Law trilogy after reading this, you'll mm -hmm. not be surprised that Baez is behind everything. Like that shock has been ruined for you. So you'll never have been shocked by it. And you won't have had the emotional impact of the later trilogy because you weren't already previously shocked by the yeah. revelations of the original trilogy. Yeah. So you've just like ruined your emotional experience for both <laughs> by doing it that way. But tell well, us how you really feel about reading order of the first law, Leah. <laughs> Look, I'm saying, these are great books. So like you can't really, in my opinion, if you are inclined to like this writing style, you won't have a bad experience either right. way. But the far superior experience <laughs> is in publication order. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we have a comment saying the big flaw is Calder and Baez falling for Rika's ploy. Thoughts on this? Um, I, I, I guess I have to, I'm ask, I'm wondering um, why you think that that's a flaw. If it's that it's not believable that they would fall for it. Um, in the case of Calder, I wonder why you, if it's Baez, you know, sees all and knows all and therefore he shouldn't fall for it. If that's, I, don't, I mean, to me, it was quite believable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I found it believable, but yeah. The mirroring of Savine and Leo in the closed council room of Giselle and Glockta, chef's kiss. Okay. So yeah, that was a comment from uh, Rad Radella. I from Radella, yeah. Correctly. Um, so I think what you're talking about is like, so when Giselle thinks that he's, you know, he's king and that he's in, in charge now and he finds when he goes into this, the the council room and Glock is like yeah no you don't you're not in charge of anything it's actually it doesn't matter what you say um I think that's what you're talking about mirroring where like Savine and Leo are in the council room and Leo's like this is how it's gonna be oh and he's yeah, like yeah. spitting mad oh which was um, so satisfying because like I kind of hated Leo by that point in the book I mean <laughs> I should hope so <laughs> he's the worst oh my god I yeah, I also find it so interesting that, you know, his wife put together before he even admitted to himself the fact that he was gay. <laughs> just Everyone so... put that together before Leo did. Oh, his internalized homophobia is so bad. Uh, yeah. So um, it's just hilarious. I love so many of the things Abercrombie did with this book. I, I just think it's really good. Cameron, Cameron says, uh, oh, 
Breathe, yeah. Oh. And Cameron says Calder challenged the mad lad Black Dow to a duel in the circle, so he isn't the mastermind we think he is. And Baez is just too cocky. I mean, that's generally how I feel about it. This is to do with like them falling for Rick as ploy. That like that's kind of a lot of the what he's doing in in this book, where female characters are a lot more centered in this trilogy. But a lot of it is like dudes just being too cocky and like the fact that like Savine is able to take control after the great change like mm-hmm. it's I mean because Leo's out here blustering and like that's how it should be and men are in charge and he's just like they just make assumptions based on that and meantime yeah. people like Rika and Savine are like yeah we're just gonna take care of it ourselves like off, yeah. you know we're just gonna handle it and you're not gonna see it coming because you're you're just out here thinking you're in charge and you're not so yeah like sorry no that's not how things are gonna go i thought it was really funny the scene where i don't remember exactly what what happened but savine sort of thinks to herself oh i guess like they 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 always say you end up marrying your father and she never thought she would but then i mean like from from trouble with peace as soon as like leo started to be you know when he like had his leg first hurt um i was like are we doing this where like savine was pregnant had to rush into a marriage to a guy that she wasn't actually in love with and the guy that she was marrying is now crippled and i was like are we doing this yeah but yeah uh, nicole says one of my favorite scenes in all of first law uh the stairs mirroring with glockta and leo i mean yeah the click tap pain basically that we get where yep if you needed confirmation that Leo is the new god, <laughs> except I mean, except if you told not. me before, I was say like, if you had told me that a character would kind of like follow the trajectory of Glockta and become kind of like a reincarnation of Glockta, and that that would be the character I hate most, I'd be like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> but you did it. You, did <laughs> you it. made me hate did him. It. In fact, yes. Radella says Leo's yeah. racism is also awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, I mean, this is one of the things where I always give Abercrombie credit for because, like, it's also not cartoonish. Like, that's why you hate Leo is because, like, when you're in Leo's head and he's thinking these things, like, you're like, yeah, I know that guy. And I've heard this opinion and it's it's spoken with the same confidence and, like, that's just good sense attitude that Leo has. And that it's not like he's not like a mustache twirling, like, uh, saying, like. What he says is is horrifying because of how mundane and how common it is to hear that kind of an opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also really liked the sort of final ending where Baez is regrouping, raising new children <laughs> in the arts of finance and war. You know, well. the two great things to control the world and will make a comeback. Well, and that's the thing. Baez is immortal, basically. Yeah, so, I was say, like you can beat Baez this go around, but like you can win the battle, but he's always gonna win the war. Yeah, yeah. It's just I take him a minute. I guess the ending was not what I was not. Well, I guess it was kind of what I predicted, wasn't it? In some ways, well, yes and no. You predicted the rise of of capitalism. Well, yeah, like the rise of capitalism and like either a democracy or a more constitutional monarchy. But I thought Baez would still be pulling the strings, which wasn't exactly right. But I, I feel like I was like in the ballpark of like where we ended. Did you think that the – who did you think the Weaver was since you didn't guess that it was Black? Did you have a guess for who it was? I thought it was Baez. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure I played with the idea. I was like, well, you know, he could be deciding he doesn't work anymore. So let's like let's tear it all down and do something different. Yeah, I thought. But maybe as soon it as they was, started burning down Valentin Balk, you're like, he's not. In yeah, it was not. There's no yeah. way he's in charge of this. Right. Yeah, because he's not doing that. I yeah, I wasn't really sure what to think, but I certainly didn't think of it being Glockta. So. Ursa says the ending was unsatisfying to me. I, it was very satisfying to me. I found it to be a. I mean, it was upsetting to me because Orso is dead. No one has said it yet. Orso is dead. Yeah. And not only is he dead, it becomes because at first, you know, you're kind of like, oh man. I mean, like, there's some comments here from people about like what could have gone differently and things mm-hmm. would have gone differently. But the thing is, Glockta's plan from the beginning requires the offing of Orso. Like he yeah. was goner. He was a goner from from go so like knowing that that it's not like oh if only it's like no no maybe leo leo's the one that did it but if leo hadn't galacta would have made sure someone did somebody had to because you had to tie up that loose end especially because of the hereditary stuff yeah you just it kind of had to happen it's sad though or we could have just let savine and orso get married (laughs) and just reign as the most (laughs) clever queen with the kindest king and there would be uh an era of peace and prosperity in the land (laughs) happily Mm -hmm. ever after and inbreeding yeah no the royals inbreed anyway oh gosh it doesn't matter who is to say those kids aren't his anyway it is, I will say, it is something that he could have me somewhat rooting for them. Because to the that, very end. Yeah, because normally there's no way. I'm like, oh, hell no. We're not doing, I am not shipping an incest plotline. The fact that I was like, That's oh, why I always no. say that Aber- with Abercrombie books, the real grimdark is the truths you learn about yourself along the way. <laughs> I didn't really and want rooting them together, now but I was like, incest. I wish, I wish it was possible. You know, nope. somebody says, Riddell says, yes, Savina and Orso would have been awesome. Nope. Well, and, and siblings, much like somebody said earlier, if if only Leo had just, just been with his best friend, you know, like just you could have been happy. But no, mm-hmm. no. It's like people get in their own way so yep. much. So mm-hmm. much. Yep. Do people think Baez murdered Giselle? Hmm. I personally, so um, I think Riddell is referring to the fact that we have Giselle, who seems to be in good health, suddenly die. Suddenly die. Like something happened. So yeah, I think we, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I think everyone agrees that he did not die of natural causes. Um, I would, I imagine that it would be the Weaver, um, maybe not directly. Not that Glockta personally went over and did it. But I mean, he the plan he had necessitated this like this point of uncertainty. And for like the the grandkids, or I mean for for Savine to be in line, we would mm-hmm. have to like move up the timeline on things. And if he's got the country on a on a precipice of like boiling over into revolution, what better than to have like have the head of state be uncertain any transition of power is going to make it more unstable for a period of time and he's aiming for a period of instability of like transitioning power so because they were like ready to go on revolution now's the time so i feel like i don't know what benefit bias would have like why bias would choose to do that i don't see how that would benefit him 
Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Ah, that's kind of sad. Maybe that's why it wasn't made explicit. Glockta having Giselle killed. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, because that's the worst thing that Glockta's ever done. If, if I you recall, Glockta hated Giselle at all times during the Versace trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair. Fair enough. Just because he grew on us doesn't mean he grew on everybody. Urza thinks Baez arranged it. So, like, I, I would fully believe that Baez would do something like that. It's just in that particular time. Like, feel free to convince me. I'm not, mm -hmm. like, married to the idea that the Weaver did it. But I just, out of who benefits from Giselle's death and at that point in history, I really only see a benefit to the side of the Weaver. I don't yeah. see a benefit to Baez. But convince me, if you will. I'd be happy to think that Glockta didn't have a hand in I mean, he even says at one point um, when he's explaining the way of the world, I think it's to Vic, not to Sabine. Um, when he's like, you know, believe it or not, me and Giselle, like, we tried to do some good, but it was impossible to do any good because Baez is the one that that holds the strings and is the one in charge. I think it makes sense. Rodella says, I thought Baez might have found Giselle was fighting back too much and thought Orzo would be more pliant. Possible. possible. Maybe. Maybe. And maybe we'll never know. Maybe that's part of part of the point just go ask abercrombie <laughs> <laughs> or or do that yep urza All is right. convinced the glockta did it side okay success <laughs> yeah. maybe it was the styrians and neither Baez nor glockta had anything to do with it maybe 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 um what's his name uh you know um eater man who's on his own side who hates Baez. what's his name oh yes shanked shanked showed up shanked. And, and killed the king because he's like you're biased man i'm killing you right that's 100 percent. yeah yeah that whole scene was was wild though having the eaters i just that like i that that whole thing just like blew my mind honestly I was which like, i love because i mean like what? there is so little magic there's so little magic in first lot on especially in this new trilogy other than you know where it goes long yeah. eye. but yeah. like the way that savine is like that that description of like that moment when like the sturdy, unshakable sound built on reason world that you think you're functioning in, and then you see what is beneath it and you realize that it's all on shifting sand and you have actually no idea how the world works. You're like, what is happening right now? Well, and the fact that like her one friend <laughs> turns, turns I love the moment when she's like, So who is your scripture teacher? And she's like, I think you know. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that that scene was epic. Um other other things to talk about with this. I mean, okay, or so not only I would have been sad about him dying cuz of yeah. course I would have been sad. But the fact that he went out with jokes just gets me like waterworks. Like the fact that I you know, I loved it. I loved that he sort of sacrificed himself. Like I don't know. I thought it was great. I thought I like it. I mean I even like, the I whole time the revolution was going on, he was like, um yeah, I, I guess I guess I should confess. I guess I should give myself up, right? That's the right thing to do. And he's at one point he's like, I was kind of hoping people would try to talk him out of it, but they didn't. So I mean I, I guess I will <laughs> give myself up. Yeah. Um and like his jokes throughout when he's in captivity and being like referring to the people guarding him as his staff and like <laughs> acting like he's in the lap of luxury, but he's very much not. And like, 
even when he and, and Savine are being brought up, I like, oh, so I like too that instead of just going for the, this is the French Revolution, they're going to invent a guillotine. Mm-hmm. They invented their own revolutionary way of killing people, dropping yeah. them off a tower, which I think was a very uh, impactful, uh, the imagery of it. Yeah. But yeah, when, when he and Savine are being brought up there and they haven't spoken to each other since like before everything has happened. And he's like making jokes. And she's like, are, are you joking right now? Are you making jokes right now? And he's like, kind of think it's my last opportunity, don't you? <laughs> and like, that's just his whole vibe. And so even as he's going up and the fact that, so like the first time you see Orso, I don't know if you caught this, the very first time you meet Orso in A Little Hatred, the chapter is called A Little Public Hanging. And the chapter in which he dies is A Little Private Hanging. Oh. And the first time you meet him, he's like, I hate hangings. Like, that's like the first thing that you ever see. And he's like, you know, getting drunk and high at a hanging. And he's like, I could put a stop to this. I should put a stop to this. I don't know this person. Do they just, oh, and they're already dead. Oh, well, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, that's when you first meet wow. him. Oh, okay. It's like, these are the things you would notice on a reread. That's, <laughs> that's fascinating. And mm-hmm. then his last words to Leo are, how's the leg? How's the leg? <laughs> Oh, sure gets me every time. oh my god yep yeah no i i really liked him too but i i i liked the way that he died you know what i mean like i i appreciated that he i don't know it's like he saw the role i feel like out of everyone play. in in these books the person that came out of it like with some dignity is orso yep Despite Even though arguably he was like a, away. he was like a public embarrassment according to like his reputation, but he's the only one that had like dignity. Honestly, yeah. Cameron says really shows his pride in a cool, unique way. Loved it. I agree. Radella says I love that Orso's flight to Varenus. I don't was lying on a barge going slowly down a canal. Yes. I think he says something about that too, how he imagined running away being like a rushed affair, but it's actually quite slow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of humor in these books for as, you know, intense. Well, and who, like a cockroach, survives it all, Clover. Jonas Clover is like knocking on Baez's door, ready to start this whole cycle all over again. Great. 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 Sour Nightfall is dead. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Mm-hmm. Not sorry to see him go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we haven't really talked about Ricca. I was going to say, like, so I asked you in the beginning with her her vision, so who do you think, every, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And I liked that we got the scene where she's like, well, I had this vision. Yeah. And and Orso's helping, you know, oh, okay, so that's me and, and that's mm-hmm. you and or whatever. And it's like, so who's the owl? <laughs> it's Ricka. Did yep. you guess that the owl would be Ricka? No. Ricka didn't <sighs> guess that the owl would be Ricka. No. Yeah, that was sad honestly i was like no <laughs> rick is sad about it but as I a certain fail would say you have to make of your heart a stone ruthlessness is a quality much beloved of the moon <laughs> <laughs> she learned her lessons well i guess mm-hmm. um radella says i wonder what happened to tunny as hildy made it to bias yeah well, i was gonna oh. say like so i i loved hildy's and orso's relationship and how um, funny and adorable that was from the beginning um, but then yeah at the end to see that Hildy is with Baez I mean it made me happy too to think that we might see her in future books even if 
or so is God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I would be delighted to see more of Jonas Clover because now that we don't have uh, Nicomo Casca anymore, we need some comic relief. And Indeed. Jonas Clover is very funny. <laughs> Oh but yeah, we goodness. have a whole new new vision. That was oh yeah, you were going to do a dramatic Rebe. reading of the new vision. <laughs> it's quite long. Her Is vision. it? It's much longer than the, it's like this whole first page. Oh, geez. Uh, so I'll read a bit, okay. but like we can guess, I mean, the, some parts of it are very clear who they are. Okay. So in the blackness of the night, the long eye opened and she saw it all. She saw a bald weaver and the work on his loom was all in ruins, a million threads hanging severed. But he was stitching it back together, patience, patience, and smiling as he worked. Bye, as. Uh, he put out his hands, and one fell on the head of a black-haired boy, and the other on the head of a blonde-haired girl, called her son and Hildy. She saw the girl become a laughing woman, flashing lenses on her eyes, a tall hat perched on her golden curls, and the hat belched smoke, spat ash, blotted out the bleeding sun, and cast the world into twilight. She blew a kiss, and the kiss became a coin, a thousand coins, a million golden chains. She offered her hand, and the fingers became iron rails, and the rails reached across the sea and made a cage, the cage that Stour had forged, and the whole north was inside. Like, mm -hmm. he's got to write more books, right? Yeah. <laughs> she saw the black-haired boy become a black-haired man, and he sat on a hill of bones in a circle of fire with a gray sword across his knees, a gray sword never sheathed. A gray sword marked with one silver letter. His scarred mouth spoke, but his words were drops of blood that made a stream that became a river, that became a sea, that broke upon the beaches of the north, a tide of blood, a flood whose red waters would not recede. Yeah. Well, so, and that's I feel like it's going to be dark times. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I mean, to me, that reads as like industrialization, capitalism, and war. In all led by Baez. Baez is like, fine, machine of industry. Let's go. Great change. I'm all about that. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, Baez has been pretty progressive from the beginning. That's why he did banking. He was mm -hmm. like, yeah, magic is all well and good, but you know, it's a lot more effective controlling people money banking. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Who? Man, I would. I mean, I would read more in this world, but we'll see. I mean, see I what think it gives he us. I think he will, right? Because mm -hmm. it's clear that, like, his first love is the first law. That's why he keeps yeah. coming back to it. Yeah. And then he plays in other sandboxes and is like, okay, well, let's get back to first law. Yeah. Urza says the Desert Kingdom fell during the trilogies. Well, also the part of this that I didn't get to, the part of the the vision, um, <clears throat> which is maybe the most interesting part for a future well, book. Well, the prophet got killed. <laughs> um. So, you know, she sees, you know, more darkness, more bleeding, plague of worms, blah, blah, blah. Um, and in the darkness, she saw a bald weaver. And in his eye, she saw a burning stone. And in the burning stone, she saw a circle of runes. And in the circle of runes, she saw a black door. And beyond the door, a figure rose from the seething sea, a figure made of blinding light. And his feet left smoldering footsteps in the shingle. And he spoke in thunder, I am returned. So we might easily see a resurgence of magic and the return of who do we think? Canadius? Kalul? Who's returning? I don't know. Interesting. 
Need him to write more short stories about her. Oh, about Pharaoh. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. Glustron. Glustron. Another contender mm-hmm. for who's returning. Rodella says it's got to be Glustrod, surely. Perhaps. Could be. Who knows? Could be. Hmm. Well, is that Baez's master? We don't know until he writes more books. <laughs> Which he's got to do. Which he's got to do as soon as he's done with yep. his little side project right now. His little <laughs> side project. Listen, maybe the side project will become the new favorite thing. You never know. I doubt that I will ever like it more than first thought, but I very much hope to enjoy it a great deal. <laughs> well, all right. We are at 52 minutes. So any final thoughts on this before we move into our On My Radar upcoming book releases segment? It's so good. It's great. It's perfect. Please read it in publication order. It is It is really, really fantastic. So I, I was... Very much a fan. And I'm so glad we did this. All year. So for those who joined us. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm I'm happy that I finally finished. I feel so accomplished the amount of books and series I've read with you this year. Because normally I'm not great at finishing long series. Because I get sidetracked with other things. And this is the best one that you've finished. Yes. Yeah. This year. The best long series. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly better than the other one we're (laughs) Is this uh, is Wisdom of Crowds a six star book? It is. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Which for yes, those listening, is what, it's what I give to like my my favorites of the year. Yeah, and as Nicole says, time to start time again. To again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this has been really fun. So thank you to everybody for joining us, and we are going to talk a little bit about recent and upcoming book releases that we're excited about in sci-fi and fantasy. New change for this, by the way, as we're heading into the new year. Beginning with this, we're trying out more of the live shows. I think this went pretty well, which is great. Thank you all for joining us. And the other change is we're going to start doing two episodes a month. This had been every two weeks, but coming in 2023, we're going to be doing two episodes a month. There will be one sci-fi fantasy episode with me and Leanna, one romance episode with me and Izzy. And for our new releases, we're going to separate it out where the sci-fi fantasy releases for that month will all go in the sci-fi fantasy episode and the romance releases for the month will go in the romance episode since we know we have like some Never the audiences. twain shall meet. <laughs> every, every once in a while, you'll get all three of us on a uh, on an episode like at the end of the end of december you'll get that which will be fun closest to romance you get from me is shipping orso and savine yeah (laughs) (laughs) the the most romance of romance um and if of course if you appreciate the if you enjoy the podcast we do appreciate if you take a moment to rate and review us so we can reach more listeners subscribe to us on youtube if you haven't already, it's always a fun way to interact, especially as we're going to be doing more actual live episodes. And if you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as exclusive bonus content with every episode, consider supporting us on our Patreon, which is linked in the show notes or in the video description down below. And I believe for today's episode, our bonus content is going to be discussing Abercrombie's upcoming book and also fan casting 
this trilogy that Age we just finished Madness. reading. Age of Madness trilogy. So it should be fun. So join us over there. Huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons, including our world expander patron, Trina. You all make what we do possible. Thank you. And for books, there's not a lot because December I is have kind two. of... Oh, good. And I bet, <laughs> I bet I know what one of them is. Because Urza already said it. <laughs> uh Oh, no, I didn't have that one. Tell me about this one. Ashes of Man by Christopher Rocchio is the next book in the Sun Eater series. Uh, originally, this is so Kingdoms of Death came out earlier this year because uh, this book was supposed to be one book, but it got split into Kingdoms of Death and Ashes of Man. So this is kind of like the second half of the book that got split. So that's coming out in December. And then I also have a book that came out already in the UK, but for some reason is coming out here much later in December. And that is The Cuckoo, the conclusion to the Under the Northern Sky series by Leo Carew. Uh, the Cuckoo is yep. coming out December 6th. Yes. That one I did know you were going to talk about. So yay. <laughs> uh, and then I, I found a couple to mention. December 6th, we're also getting The Ivory Tomb by Melissa Caruso. This is the third book of the Obsidian Tower fantasy series i have not actually read the series but i've heard good things about it so if you were been reading it and you've been waiting for the finale it's coming out on december 6th and then december 12th we're getting monstrous book two by marjorie liu so if you've been waiting for the the book sized bind ups i have it pre-ordered <laughs> it's a great fantasy graphic novel series with really interesting world building and that's it there's not a whole lot oh, january publishing will pick up i had more. Uh, forgotten about this but nicole kindly reminded me ah. uh city of last chances by adrian tchaikovsky if you um i luckily have been able to like contact someone who subscribed to goldsboro special editions because the goldsboro edition of city of last chances is stunning but also you know it's you could just read the book and get it on kindle get it from your library you don't have to get the gorgeous one but also the gorgeous one is so gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> they do have some really really beautiful um beautiful ones someone's saying we should read sun eater Yes, I read the first one. I liked it. At some point, I want to continue with the series. Well, the fifth oh. one is coming out now. So. Yeah. So Get on one it. Of these days. Yeah, no kidding. Yes, monstrous. And uh, for anybody who hasn't already heard, in 2023, for our sci-fi fantasy stuff, me and Liana will be doing a Witcher read-along. So you can look forward to that. It's going to be fun. And I think I have the, the the order. I think we're starting with January, The Last Wish. Yeah, so we're going to do – I'll probably do a video like with a bunch of like read-alongs and things happening, so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll talk about it there. Yeah. But our reading order for Witcher will be The Last Wish, um, Sword of Destiny, then the, like, the main series, so starting with Blood of Elves um, mm -hmm. through Lady of the Lake, mm -hmm. and then at the end of all that, then we'll read Season of Storms. Yes, and I think we're taking a break – somewhere in there i don't yeah, remember. i think so the first two last wish and sword of destiny are kind of short story bind ups they're not really short stories but it's more of like short story bind ups yeah um so we're gonna do those two take a break january the february main series like blood right. of the lady of the lake and then take a break and then do season of storms yes so there you go if you're gonna read along with us that is the plan for 2023 it's going to be fun and uh, she's guaranteeing it <laughs> okay <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and I will be back in two weeks for another actual live show, which is exciting. It is already 
prepped and ready to go. It's going to be midday, back with Izzy November 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern time to discuss the current slate of Netflix holiday movies. So if you are a fan of holiday movies... I'm just really looking forward to ending every single Witcher live show with um, an invitation to toss a coin to the Patreon. (laughs) 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 It's going to be a good time. (laughs) Yes. We could even sing it. it. (laughs) (laughs) We could. Um, Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's been really fun. This has been Chapter 3 Podcast. We're your hosts, Bethany and Liana. You can follow us, as always, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Not that we post that frequently. We probably should post more than we do. But uh, you can also find us on our individual YouTube channels. And the next episode will be be available in two weeks. This episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.